attitudes are beginning to change. A stigma surrounding dyslexia. Muddled messages were received the by the brain. Dyslexia. Well, I hope you're dyslexic. It's kind of your super Anything is dyslexic. Dyslexia. Hello, my name's Elizabeth Ariffian. My name is Charlotte Edmonds. And you're listening to Move Beyond Words. In this podcast, we're going to amplify the voices of neurodiverse people and unravel living with the complex and multi-layered label of dyslexia. Before we launch into our new exciting series, where we talk with members of the creative and entertainment world, the science and education sectors, as well as the experts in the field of neurodiversity. We want to introduce ourselves and let you know a little bit about who we are, our relationship with dyslexia, and why we started this podcast. So where should we begin, Charlie? Do you remember where we began? Um, I do. <laughs> I do remember where we began. At the lovely Studio Way McGregor. What's so ironic is that when we met at the Studio Way McGregor event, I walked straight into that room and you were there with your long, beautiful, gorgeous red hair. And I had only heard your voice and yet I knew it was you. I think I'd seen like maybe a photo of you from Diana, who's who obviously connected us together. And I, I mean, I said the other day to you that she knew exactly what she was doing. And at the time, I didn't realise. I just thought, oh, yeah, we're networking in the industry. But she was connecting two dyslexic people to share experiences, relate to, empathise and just be a, a support system. I don't think either of us knew that that was going to happen. We've been on such a journey since then. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how you feel about that. What's your side? It has been a roller coaster, I would say. And I think we've learned so much from having one another. Um, I mean, it really does sound like a love story, doesn't it? It, it is. is a love story. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we've learned so much from one another. And I think there's a real lack of support for people with dyslexia. And we need one another to essentially be the best that we can be. And I think we have been so lucky in finding that support and being able to to build Move Beyond Words and, and kind of be dreamers within this work and emphasize, emphasize our dyslexia and emphasize the beauty of that and the frustration within that through all these different projects. Our passion and our experience of having that support has now become Move Beyond Words and we want to expand from our core mm-hmm. what we've learned from one another to just bring that out into the creative arts industry because we feel there's a lack of that support for people who are dyslexic and are creative although everyone knows that people who are dyslexic have a tendency to go into a creative career yet there's a real lack of support there so yeah that's really what move beyond words is here to do is to support through workshops and events and through films and this wonderful podcast which is so exciting That's the thing, because there's various support out there. I think you and I can both relate to school and how 
your understanding of dyslexia is completely different now. And, and I'm sure it will be again in a year and a year. And, you know, as we develop and grow, it's so complex um, that we're constantly finding new ways of, of understanding things and strategies and nurturing it. But there's something very empathetic and it's it's very, what's the word? What is it that we always say? We said it this morning, Liz. Oh my God, emotionally, it's emotionally driven. It's emotionally yeah. driven. It's not structural. It's not learn a couple of, you know, strategies to, to help you articulate yourself better or spell something right. It's much deeper than that. And, and, and there's that mutual understanding. That's what I felt that we had. It was the first time. And I, you know, I had some incredible support along the way. But it was the first time that I felt someone could really understand and and empathize with with what I was going through. And I was, you know, no one was alienated by that. I wasn't um, shying away from coming forward and saying that. And I'm basically echoing what you've just said Mm. in fueling that same feeling into Mm. into Move Beyond Words. That's interesting because in terms of support, where do you feel you had the support and where do you feel there was a lack of support? So we're going way back now, Liz. I found out that I had dyslexia when I was at primary school, which is a really young age, if you think about it. I was around four or five years old. And I was able to find this out so early on because my mum is in education she's a headmistress now but at the time she was a teacher within the school that I was studying at and also my older sister has dyslexia so my mum had a really clear understanding of what the condition was and she didn't shy away from asking for help and support in understanding if I did have dyslexia or not simultaneously my teacher could notice some things that were happening within my learning style Um, within the classroom and she signified those to my mum and so together um, they voiced what they saw to um, a dyslexia action department within the school and they provided a test for me to kind of confirm if I had dyslexia or not and I think as some a youngster you know finding out that I had dyslexia it was quite challenging because obviously it's labeled as a learning disability and I felt like I hadn't even started life and I already have a barrier and that's heavy it's a really heavy feeling and to be honest at that age I don't think I really knew what I I probably still don't know but at that age I didn't know what dyslexia meant I just had an understanding that I struggled with reading and writing and that I'm going to have to put a little bit more effort in to um, catch up with my peers who find it a lot easier than I do. And just to go back a little bit Talk to us about the transition from when, you know, you were in education and really began to focus on your dance practice. The fact that my mum now knew that I had dyslexia, she was able to find other avenues for me to um, overcome some of the obstacles and challenges that I was going to be faced with and kind of help navigate me through education 
to see a more holistic view of of education and not feel like it was going to be a battle every day or all the time and find those moments of liberation. So she proactively thought about ways to help me and there was a local dance school that was using... um, one of the halls within the school as as their studio and she was working she's a single parent and she was working late hours and she thought brilliant this will really (laughs) I know Charlie will really love this and it really helps me out when I'm working late hours and um I remember my first dance lesson I completely fell in love with it and I love all creative things, you know, art and design, singing, acting, dancing, musical theatre, you name it. I just absolutely loved it. And, um, you know, starting those dance lessons and um, getting more into it, I then found out about Saturday classes that were happening in London at the Royal Ballet and... Um, some children's dance companies that were going on where you could be part of a children's production. Luckily, my mum sacrificed so much time and and um, money to to make sure that I continued doing something that I loved. And I think she invested so much into that because she saw, um, A, how happy it made me, and B, um, maybe a career out of it. I think as a dyslexic, you are pushed towards a creative outlet a creative profession, but um, I was pushed towards a creative profession, but I loved it and I was happy with that. So I took dancing really seriously and I auditioned for a couple of vocational dance schools and was offered actually a full scholarship for one of them. And my mum was like, please take this one, please. And I was like, actually, I really want to audition for the Royal Ballet School. And she was like, please take the other one. Um, But no, I think she was like, yeah, okay, I I see your ambition. Let's go for it. Let's have a go. And I got in and like I started five years at the Royal Ballet School and you have to audition to stay in every year, which is so daunting. You know, that was a pivotal moment in my education because I actually accomplished something for the first time and that amount of dedication and work ethic and um, when you really put your mind to something that you're really passionate about then it taught me that hard work can actually get you somewhere. Do you feel your dyslexia plays to your strengths in regards to your career choice? The simple answer to this is yes, definitely. You know, as a creative being who's a dance maker and a filmmaker, dyslexia definitely plays to my strengths. But it's fairly layered and it's been a real journey. So to answer this, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit further back. As a kid, I I really struggled with school. You know, my solution was to stay quiet and play small so that teachers wouldn't know how far behind I was slipping. I was great at copying and making friends so I could copy their work. But something I couldn't hide was spelling my name at the age of eight and tying my shoelaces, which I so desperately wanted to do so that I wouldn't be kept in at lunch to practice. 
both my sisters had been to the same primary school and they thrived. You know, the teachers couldn't understand why I was so much slower than them. And dyslexia wasn't really a thing that the teachers gave much thought to because I seemed intelligent. You know, when it came to talking, um, they, they, they couldn't see any differences. And so I wasn't diagnosed until I was around 11. But when I was at home, you know, me and my siblings and my cousins, we'd dress up, we'd sing and dance. And my mum could see that this is when I really came into my own. And as I was struggling with my confidence in school, my mum thought that she would enroll me into Latin American and ballroom dancing so that I could continue to build on my confidence and being thrown into the world of glitter and fake tan and beautiful dresses and feathers I began to recreate who I was and this reflected in the classroom. You know, the feeling of being in Blackpool Tower and having that experience was so vital. It um, gave me a sense of recognition and the crowd cheering. That acknowledgement was something that I really needed and it showed me that I was good at something and I didn't have that in school. So I began to crave that acknowledgement So competing was a big part of my childhood. At the age of eight, myself and my team members competed in the world championships in Latin American formation dancing. And for three years running, we became first and second. And although this came with its challenges because of how strict the movement is and how precise the moves have to be, the love of performing just shone through and I would push and push myself to be a stronger performer and competitor. Len Goodman was also someone who left an imprint on me. He was a judge and my examiner. And when it came to exams, he said some really lovely things that encouraged me to carry on, which I did. And at the age of 18, I was accepted on a full scholarship to Liverpool Theatre School. And that was such a relief as I wouldn't have been able to continue my career um, in dance had I not got that scholarship because the fees are just so high and we didn't have the funds for that and since then I've gone on to perform to audiences of 22,000 people being the biggest Um, and these milestones and struggles that have come along the way have definitely shaped me in my career as a choreographer and filmmaker today. I've learned to embrace my imperfections and accept my skills, which are being an instinctive and a physical learner and teacher. I'm good at coming up with meaningful ideas and I'm able to find unique solutions to problems. For all the things I cannot do, I nurture these and I surround myself with great people like yourself, Charlie, who have other skill sets. And that's something I love when collaborating. We all have strengths and weaknesses. So yes, Dyslexia definitely plays to my strengths when it comes to my career. I love that. I love that. Is there anything you've always wanted to know more about regarding dyslexia? Yeah, I wanted to know what it was. Um, No one ever explained what it actually scientifically was until I was at the age of 21, I think, and what the science was behind it. I had a a great acting coach, Deborah Groves, who explained it in this way that really helped me to understand it. So I hope I get this right. And um, 
this is what she said. She said, you have the right side and the left side of the brain. And with most people, the right and the left side of the brain click together really nicely and they can you can transfer messages between both sides of the brain and there's a really nice, easy process that works there. For people with dyslexia, you've got the right and the left side of the brain and the wires don't quite connect and they kind of overlap one another. And so what this means is that when you're learning something, for instance, like I'm learning the word glass, I would learn glass is a word and it is spelled G-L-A-S-S and glass is an object. It's physical. I can hold it. It's a thing. But then I would have to learn all of that information again. Glass is a word, it's a product, it's something I can hold, and they're the same thing. So there's three times the processing speed of someone who has those wires that are completely connected. And when she told me that, it was this huge revelation of, okay, I... I get that. I understand that. And I know there's so many different layers to dyslexia, but that's one in terms of the processing ability and speed. You know, when I heard you say that for the first time, there was a eureka moment, like you said. I'm so pleased you're sharing that. And even at the um, events that we've spoken at, my friends were all like, oh my gosh, I've never Mm. heard it expressed in that way. And um, because I was always told that the right side of my brain doesn't work. (laughs) in the way that god you know do you know what I mean it's like you've grown up with that false image and um of just the way that language was loosely used um at such a young age you attach yourself onto that image I just kind of and because we're very visual I always just imagine that my right side of my brain was just a little bit sleepy I got my first commission when I was 16 to me, that is so young. You have no, you know, you're still, you're still trying to figure out who you are. Mm. You are in, uh, I'm, I was working with people who were much more experienced than me. Um, I was learning from them. Can, I still am learning from everyone around me. Mm. But then, you know, age 18, going into a really um, huge organization at the Opera House and what a complete shift in such a short space of time and how quickly do you have to grow and that's where that resilience that we were speaking about and and that kind of problem solving very quickly in terms of your you know how you how you manage the challenges that you're being faced with how um how quickly you turn that negative into a positive and learn from it was so useful during those that time at that point so yeah I mean you were thrown into being a young choreographer at the Royal Ballet and that experience of as you were saying having to know yourself at such a young age and to be able to ask for that support I imagine was really challenging Sometimes I think to myself, I wouldn't have changed anything because in hindsight, many of the events that have happened taught me um, lessons that I needed to learn to accomplish some of the things that I've done today and has helped me understand my dyslexia and navigate my way through it. Mm. But sometimes I do think, yes, 
it would have been better if I was more vocal about my dyslexia in some mm. environments and situations because I think that would have assisted me through that moment in a more positive and productive way and it would have also informed the people around me how to support me and start that dialogue start the conversation about how to support people with dyslexia in our industry and beyond so I think I learned to silence my dyslexia but in hindsight I really wish that I'd had the confidence to speak up about it yeah and I did when I met you Liz I remember being so um shocked about the amount of times I actually said dyslexia within the conversations that we were having I um it really um was something I, I really suppressed and I'm really pleased that we're here talking about it um to highlight some of the most amazing people and um what they do and how they manage their dyslexia it's so informative and such a learning curve for me to hear and reflect um, and I hope to take some of that information on board to myself as well as inspire some of our listeners. On this series we want to ask our guests to bring in an item that represents them and their dyslexia a bit like reception where you bring in an item for show and tell so that's exactly that it's show and tell so charlie do you have something you would like to show and tell so my show and tell item is my orange tinted glasses and they have a gorgeous pink and brown tortoiseshell frame and i invested in these a couple of years ago when I found myself doing a lot of funding bids and writing proposals and treatments and it felt a bit admin heavy at the time, a lot of emails on my laptop and I needed some assistance in helping me manage that. And obviously when you're thinking of um, conceptual ideas for choreographies, there's a lot of research to be done when you're looking into a topic that is not as familiar um, to you as a personal experience. So a lot of reading came in handy then. So these glasses are a visual aid for me to enable the words on the page to be more centered. And it just makes my comprehension more fluid uh, when reading. And I definitely see a benefit of having them. And when I was at school, I had variations of colour glasses and it's really sweet. I have, I still have all the ones that I had when I was about four years old. And they're so tiny and diddy and it's adorable. And they were green and um, blue, I think I had. And then somehow I transitioned into like a yellowy orange and that must be where I am today an orange and your eyes do adjust to certain colours as you get older is so I've been told yeah but there is still some anxiety around it you know in case you get a funny look in the middle of a meeting um but I think we're becoming a lot more comfortable with things that if they are there to help me mm. and at the end of the day if that makes a difference to my work that's the reason why I should be wearing them and they're really funky I absolutely love them now I've seen a massive growth in in your confidence with talking about dyslexia from day dot you know you were saying about um you know you hadn't even said the word so much and you know that's been apparent 
that now you are getting comfortable like today we had a conference call and you wore the glasses and that was that was great like it's great to see us becoming more owner you know taking ownership of this label in a way that doesn't necessarily have so much meaning Mm. um I mean that maybe I'm projecting my experience onto you there but I do see that changing with you and it's it's so great to see I quite like the the idea of of living like this is the object that lives with my dyslexia I I created a piece on dyslexia and the whole light for the work was orange because that's the way in which I see things so there's a you know from the external look of them I think you're right I'm getting over that and and especially living in such a gorgeous vibrant city um it very it feels like there's just part of my outfit but I think uh in turn like that whole internal um worry and anxiety around that from when I was younger and you know you put blue or green or colored any kind of glasses on and I'd sit at the back of the class and kind of get some weird stares and now I'm learning to embrace that and it's it is just the pot it's beautiful it's yeah it's 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 the um encouragement that I'm getting around me which is Mm. helping me do that and uh tell me about you what is your show (laughs) I can't go into I can listen to this back and all I'm gonna hear is what is your show and tell um Yeah, no, I'm excited to see. Tell me what your show and tell is. My show and tell is post-it notes. Oh. They're my lifeline. And whenever I have needed to storyboard a film or to juggle various projects, I heavily depend on post-it notes. Um, They help me to remember things and to help me do that through colours and assigning different colours to different tasks. You know, I would really struggle without them. What advice would you give to your younger self? The advice I'd give to my younger self is don't worry about what others are thinking of you and your ability and speak your mind because your voice really does matter and I know that that's difficult to do but just keep challenging yourself to do this and to raise your hand. I completely agree with Ask for Help. I think that's advice I give to I would give to anyone throughout their whole career, but I always like to think about knowing what my strengths are, but not letting them define me, and knowing what my weaknesses are, but not letting them limit me. That's my advice. It's really powerful and that you know that in our collaboration and in the collaboration with all the amazing people that we work with on Move Beyond Words is so apparent in our in our work that we all have strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. and and that's okay. What makes you feel proud of your dyslexia? I think the biggest thing that makes me feel proud of my dyslexia is my work ethic. You know, having to push myself harder than my classmates has been beneficial in the long run because I'm consistent in my approach to my work and what I put into my development. And that really spills over into my passion for other people and wanting them to find the best in themselves too. I'm also proud that dyslexia's forced me to dig deeper into myself and to never accept what my ability is or isn't because with hard work authenticity and the ability to just let go 
creates this space for new things and with that comes great results. We just have to find our own way of achieving things and accept that that's your way of doing it, however laborious or long it is. We have to come to accept that, that this is the way you work and that's okay. How has it made you the person you are today, Charlie? I I feel like I can empathise with people and understand that people need their own ways of working. And especially working in the kind of environments that, that we we do and and that is in the creative studio where there are many people in front of me that learn choreography in a in complete in a completely different way and um i feel like i can uh, manage that knowing that i also learn things in in a different way there's a whole range of emotions that comes with having dyslexia but I'm proud of that and it's shaped me to where I am and where I want to go and I think the best thing the best part of having dyslexia is the creation of move beyond words does that make sense yeah it does and and I am completely completely with you and um one thing that I would like our listeners to take from this is that this is a label it is a part of you, but it does not define you. And that has been one of the biggest lessons for me is that we always have a choice on what dyslexia means and what it represents for you and own it. Don't let it squash you. Just own it and and be with it, grow with it and let it be a teacher if that works for you. I hope that doesn't sound too preachy. Absolutely but, not. I need to hear that. Yeah, but I needed to, yeah, I need to be reminded of that a lot. I, I hope that resonates with people at home. Oh, I've loved this, Charlie. It's great to have these chats. I know. I think we, we work so intensely together a lot of the time that there's not much time for these chats, but I've really enjoyed this. I've learned a lot about you. No, it's been amazing. Um this is this is literally what brought us together this this connecting over this and it's so important to keep continuing that conversation um and i love how i learn more about you each time well there you have it thanks so much for listening to our premiere podcast episode Maybe some of you can relate to similar experiences that we've had and hopefully these upcoming conversations will help you to nurture your dyslexia. But also for non-dyslexic people, this may give you a new understanding of the multi-layered neurodiverse mind. So if you have any questions you want answered, please send them to info at movebeyondwords.co.uk and please keep sharing how you move beyond words through our hashtag movebeyondwords. Until next time, We've been Charlotte Edmonds and Elizabeth Arifian. This has been Move Beyond Words. To support the show, please remember to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever else you listen to your favourite podcasts. Art and Design by Alex Colhan. Digital and Social Media by Gabby Whitehill. 
MBW's project manager, Hannah Gibbs, podcast producer, Niall Kalini-Taylor, and original music composed by Tom Parker. This series is funded by Arts Council England. <laughs>